G'day and welcome to the Pursuit of Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Rosie Burrows, and I'm on a journey to find my freedom so that I can help you do exactly the same. Join me each week as I share the stories of everyday people who have found their own path to freedom. I'm not going to focus on job titles and accolades because I don't care about that stuff and neither should you. I want to uncover what truly makes you tick. Who are you when you step away from society's expectations and follow your heart? I still haven't figured it out yet. Have you? Either way, buckle up because it's going to be one hell of a ride. Welcome to the final episode of 2023. This is part one of a two-part episode. It is that good. Please excuse the background noise. I'm not in my usual recording setup, but I'm going ahead anyway. Now, you'll have to excuse the recording quality in this episode because unfortunately we had to resort to using Zoom. The usual software I use, Riverside, wasn't cooperating for us, so we had to think quickly. But I just know this conversation is going to make up for that subpar quality. I'm talking to Kel, sorry, Kylie O'Connor, not Kelty, Kylie. She is a domestic violence survivor and all-round awesome human being. But just a content warning for people, we are discussing domestic violence and all topics that encompass that. So if you need to skip this one, please do. You can come back another time or just wait for the next episode. I love you. You're worth it. Take care of yourselves and let's dive into the episode. Joining me today is Kylie O'Connor. She's a domestic violence survivor, a podcast host, a life coach, an all-around amazing human being. Um, She lives with her fiancé, Julie, and Kylie loves being in the water and is really passionate about helping the LGBTQIA plus community heal from domestic violence through, and I love the name of this, the Unfuck Yourself program. Yep. So excited to have you here, Kylie. Thanks for joining Thank me. Thank you very much, Rosie. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I've Thank been looking forward to this one. Now, I want to dive right in if that's cool, because I've yeah. got a lot of questions <laughs> and you've got such a powerful story that I think a lot of people are going to be inspired by, are going to learn a lot from, and probably even have more questions. So I'll definitely pop your contact info in the description. But I want to start with, you know, this is a large part of who you are. You have said that you believe that people can heal completely from domestic violence. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Because obviously you've got personal experience here. Yeah, yeah. In a way that you, how how you do that is therapy is a must. You've got to go back on your past relationships, probably all the ways to your childhood, and figure out what happened, uh, and heal from that. You've all got to also got to start showing up for yourself on a level of self love. Um, that there's absolutely nothing fucking wrong with you and that you're a beautiful human being just as you are right here, right fucking now. Um, And all of that comes, it's like Brene Brown talks about when she said her TED talk, I think it was nine, ten years ago, on shame. Um, We feel a lot of shame around, you know, I accepted that person 
into my life and look what they did. They they hit my kid. They beat the crap out of me. They did this and they did that and all of this trauma with a large around it. Um, and the thing with domestic violence abusers is they have a mask. So they wear a mask and tell you anything that you want to hear to get you into their control and that's the hook but once they're in you're in their control the abuser comes out that i call it the jekyll and hyde so there's two opposing personalities there and i'm not saying split personalities or multiple i'm just saying that there's a, a jekyll and hyde personality thing there where in the community because you'll talk to people after you leave and they'll go Oh, he was never like that with me, or they uh, were. He was never, and it's like it's a real, it's a, almost a form of gaslighting. What happens because it's like, well, no, because behind closed doors they were a, a monster, uh, um, and people feel a lot of shame that they didn't see that. Not your fault. Uh, it, and we take on the blame, and once you start dissecting, I. Put the responsibility of the choice of your that person's behavior that abuser's behavior with them and then i take responsibility for my healing you can not only heal but you can actually live a richer life than you did previously because previously you weren't a healthy human mm-hmm. previously you had a lot of toxic traits that you never dealt with but this this rock bottom of domestic violence that you have afterwards, you know, and in my case, it was homelessness, uh, losing all my possessions, having to surrender my dog. And that's horrific shit that, you know, and in a little way, I, I, I still deal with the guilt of surrendering my dog. <sighs> still, and so, you know, maybe people are going to say, oh, yeah, well, maybe you haven't healed. It's a process. Right, yeah. Healing is a process. And being human, the human experience is growth. <laughs> and when we grow, we're always learning. We're always, you know, becoming self-aware. Self-awareness is a part of the healing process. Um, self-love. Uh, and changing and growing and becoming a healthy human. Being aware that, you know, in my own healing, I knew. Uh, you know, I was home about three or four months and I thought, I know I, right now I'm not in a fit state to be in a relationship, but I knew I was going to be in another one. <laughs> what do I want that relationship to be like? Because uh, I knew if I kept on going and jumped into another relationship, I would end up being. <laughs> I just that I would attract someone that would kill me. I, and I knew that and I thought, well, that's never happening again. I'm going to make sure that, that my next relationship is healthy. Okay, what does a healthy relationship? So it's constantly asking you questions about where you want to be, which is what we talk about as life coaches. We, okay, so this is where, you, where you, you're at and you don't want to be. Where do you want to be? And you go, I want to be over there. Well, how am I going to get there? Oof. So that's what I did on my own. Wow. Um, I'm here right now. You know, I've lost everything. I'm helping my elderly father look after my mother with dementia, you know, and felt like an absolute fucking loser because I was six weeks off, 50 years of age, and going, oh, Jesus, look at, his, look at you. Look what you've done to your life. 
But slowly I knew that there was a spiritual reason why I was there. Right. There was a spiritual reason. There was a, a growth, a heart and soul and mind growth of why I had to be there. Mm. And it was to heal from my childhood. Right. Because my mum and dad had a very verbally violent relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so and, and then all the toxicity and the anger that dad displayed when I was younger and, you know, to heal from that. And mum came from horrific trauma, uh, watching her siblings get sexually abused. Um, so she had a lot of that, so many toxic traits that she never, never dealt with because she's from the silent generation. They were both from the silent generation. And they don't do, they never dealt with their shit. It was a Ugh. rare person from that generation that dealt with their shit. And so I, I just knew that I had to. So my steps were uh, self-care in swimming. Um, my steps were um, sleeping when I needed to. And I, I realised my privilege in saying that, that I <laughs> it was in a position where I could do that, where I was not working and I was in a safe space. But that's step number one, get into a safe space. Right. Don't and for you, if we go back into your story a bit, if you're comfortable, you were saying you were you were um, in your mum and dad's house while you were getting back on your feet. But that's not where you were at first, were you? I remember you telling me your no. life felt like it had been flushed down the toilet. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And you mentioned just yeah. before you were homeless. So can you give yeah. us a bit of context around that? So... Um, my my ex and I were living in a one-bedroom apartment at the back of his mother's house and his mother got an AVO against him. Wow. And so we were couch surfing for three weeks uh, and then he choked me with my T-shirt um, and I escaped two days after that. I ran down the street. He took off with my car. And I ran down the street in the middle of the Central Coast. And, yeah, and I ended up living in a backpackers for six weeks while I got an ABO um, in place. Yeah, I was determined. I knew pretty much straight away, and I knew straight away the moment he drove off in that car, he took my phone and all my ID with with him. Um, I never saw all my ID again, and I never saw that car again. And I'd, I'd spent five years working shift work to pay that off. Yeah, and wow. They, they just drive off on it and there's nothing you can do about it. That's the, the, that's the horrific trauma that once you start going into that system of trying to make them accountable, um, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Like to, it's, you know, the only thing the cops could do is... Um, try and make him give the address of where he dumped it, which he wouldn't do. And then eventually he did two weeks later and I couldn't find it. And so the cops reported it as stolen. Um, And that's how I got my insurance money. And that's like, that's a lot to deal with on top of having your partner, you know, choke you. Yeah. And then you're escaping and then you've lost your bloody car, your ID, your phone, and you're trying to deal with law enforcement. Which is another toxic environment. Um, if you're living there permanently, and then, you know, it, it, the system is brutal. It's um, and I didn't get justice with that choking 
because there was no evidence, there was no bruising, there was just severe anxiety at the time. Just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not I, really, I, yeah. Anxiety, but, you know, a lot of women have, you know, bruising for months on end around their necks or something like that, um, and I was not one of those people. So mm. no, there was no justice on that, but I did get an AVO and he did breach it three times via social media. Wow. So, yeah. And, and I remember doing a uh, domestic violence course at a women's centre and them saying the moment they breach, the moment they breach, you must bring the police. Mm. And then eventually it builds up and there is a system in place. By the time he breached the third time, um, like he, he rang and it was like, hello, Kylie, and I just went... <clears throat> Uh, rang triple zero and I was lucky mum and dad had gone to church because mum in her dementia would have gotten incredibly anxious. Yeah. Because one of the cops that turned up, I swear to God, he had to bend through to get through the door. Wow. Bent over. It was awful. <laughs> wow. And I just felt so safe. You know, they, they, they rang him and said, you know, you've contacted Kylie and and he would you know had verbal diarrhea and called me all kinds of names and like I'm going you know in in that sort of reactionary trauma mm-hmm. um, and when they hung up because they they just the things that come out of their mouth is it's all my fault so it's all the victim's fault and mm. he um once they hung up it's it's like don't worry we didn't believe him they all say the same thing. They all say the same thing. Hmm. And that, that was a bit of an eye-opener for me, that all of these people that are displaying this abusive behaviour, they all come out with the same batch right. Try, look what you made me do and, mm. you know, look what, yeah, that that was a constant, look what, what you made me do and the projection and all of that kind of stuff. It was less like, and it, it does live with you for a while until you really in your healing have a deliberate mindset of connecting with who you are and when you leave you're numb you cut off from your emotions and part of healing from trauma is acknowledging how you feel whether you're filthy fucking angry whether you're you're frustrated and and i don't know whether you've ever seen an anger iceberg And all the things that are underneath, it's not the anger is the top thing, you know, but ang- I, I did it, I'm halfway through doing a trauma course and the, and the guys that have done that um, talk about processing our emotions. It's not the event itself, it's how we feel about that event and our reaction to that event. So all of those trauma responses, we have to go through all of those we have to go through all process our emotions and acknowledge our emotions in order to move on. Um, and I know that there's a really um, famous coaching system called neuro-linguistic programming. Yeah. I personally don't like it because mm. it doesn't acknowledge how you feel. And, and feelings I, are so important. Yeah, they are. They yeah. Are. Yeah, it's really important to go, fuck you, man. You know, yeah. and if you don't, like verbally get it down on a piece of paper and yeah and this is something i've done when i've been really frustrated and talked incessantly about it and one night julie just said oh for fuck's sake 
go into the office and write a letter to those people. I don't care what you do with it. And so I've taken that way of processing and I wrote for 10 pages. Mm. I went on and on and on and on. And I processed all my emotions around it. I was brutally honest, like they were sitting in front of me. And then I ripped out all those pages. I went to the outside bin and I tore it up and I fuck you and threw it in the bin. And there's such a psychology I've realized around that. It's not the inside bin. It's the outside bin where it's going to get taken away from a truck within a week. So mm-hmm. all of those emotions are now in the rubbish mm-hmm. where they belong. It's not that they're not important. You've processed them and they no longer belong in your life away. You know, and and another another thing I had to really work very hard on was getting that all my abuses out of my head, right. living free in my head. That's what mm. they call, it. and it's so true. You, you and it's a, a form of trauma bonding where you're constantly thinking about what they've said and what they've done, and you know and what they've done to you. Uh, instead of going, no, no, you don't get to be here anymore. I I belong to me. You don't get to, and and it takes a lot of deliberate work. You know, healing is is deliberate hard work. Uh, yeah. But the other side of all of that hard work is a life full of joy and love and mindfulness and and healthy relationships. Whether it's be you being able to be honest with me, you know, in us meeting up, hey Kylie, and I don't take that personally. I go, okay, she she's just happened, and it's all good. You know, and I've just made that up. Uh, it's giving people that you work with boundaries without mm. being that toxic person at work that takes everything personally, that has to control everything that is, you know, in your own way, you're toxic in and of itself, uh, which is what I used to be like. Whereas now I can step back and go, oh, I can see what that's happening with that person. Mm. Oh, okay, and not take it on. Mm. You know, I, and that's happening in my workplace at the moment. Um, and I can go, oh, okay, well, I wish her well. And I can sit down and in that moment of mindfulness, wrap that person in love. <sighs> and just, you know, I understand where she, where that person's at. I just choose to wrap you up in love. Now, I don't take shit, but yeah. I wrap, when I'm at home, I wrap that person up in love. I'm able to say to my boss, you know, with this situation, is this what you meant or did you mean something else? Is this something right. I can improve in? And he can be very honest with me. Mm-hmm. And I don't take it personally. I just take that, okay, I need to improve right. on that level. You know, you can be honest without taking it personally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then and then in your intimate relationships, you can have honest relationships and work through stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas previously, you'd they defend you and you just keep it to yourself. They defend yeah. you and you play victim. And and I mean me. That's how I used to be. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not like that anymore. And it's because I've done all of this work. Yes, yeah, it sounds like a lot of work. And something you said that I want to circle back to, and this came up in, you know, our previous conversation together too, and I know you talk about it in your podcast, is you need to think about or we need to think about why we are attracted to these certain kinds of people. And I thought that was so powerful. And 
Can you talk a bit more to that? Oh, yeah, I just had, I had to go back. I had to look at how I viewed myself. Uh, that, um, that it, you know, and it's kind of, a, it, you've got, it's like juggling a, a few balls in that, in that one thing that you've talked to. It's uh, going back and looking at your previous relationships and how they've all treated you. You've got to look at your own self-esteem and, why you feel that way about yourself so that that and that history go right back to the beginning of where I was bullied at school um I struggled at school I was bullied at school incessantly by two boys in year four uh I repeated year four but it never left me and it didn't leave me until I was doing my coaching course uh mm-hmm. bullying in the in the school place I, I you know it's just has a lifetime of damage it does, yeah. A person's self-esteem. Uh, mm. But I had to really work on that and go, hang on, I deserve to be respect, re- treated with respect. Um, and and something I, I got from the Women's Centre was 24 personal rights. And, man, they, they fueled me. Oh, I think mm. I did a podcast episode on it, actually. 24 personal okay. rights. You yeah. know, like. I have the right to be treated with respect. I have the right to change my mind. And, and there were a couple that really hit because I had been through abuse. Um, yeah. Uh, so I had to go back and look at previous relationships and what had happened, what the, that person had done that I was wounded from, but also what I had done that I needed to change. <sighs> and some people listening might think, so are you blaming yourself? But I think there's quite a difference between mm. blame and what you're talking about. So no, yeah. I'm not talking about blame because I'm talking about being honest about being mm. and healing. Because none of us are perfect. And I'm sure my exes would say, but she did this and she did that. Um, you know, I I left without saying a word to one girlfriend, uh, which I know damaged her incredibly. And that was me avoiding conflict. Boo. And, you know, she deserved better than that. And I have had since apologised to her for that. Um, but what I'm saying is, okay, I shouldn't have done that. And moving forward, I mean, I've got my person, you know. Um, I know I'm going to be with Julie for the rest of my life. Um, moving forward, I'm. it, it means being honest and humble. So honesty is, Kylie, you shouldn't have left without a word and being humble, I'm sorry. Mm. It's, it's not taking on that blame. I've taken on the, the blame for a lot of people's behaviour in the past. Yeah. So I'm not taking on the blame for someone else's behaviour. I'm taking accountability for my own behaviour. Yes. Changing yeah. that. Yeah. There's a big difference between that those two. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And you know, it's not your fault or anybody else who has um, experienced domestic violence. It's not your fault you were abused or experienced no, that. That that person, I, uh, and I got to that point where I went. You know what? You are responsible for the choices you made, right, in that relationship and and the behaviour you. And the violence you 
displayed to me and all those that you have abused in the past. And that is not my responsibility to carry, that is yours. And moving forward, healing is my responsibility. Right. That's where, that's where the responsibility that I, I choose to now be treated with respect. Mm. And you better fucking watch out if you don't. Fuck <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I went back to work. I had that um, almost straight away. Um, I had I had to request to move uh, to a different um, area, and then the area I went into had a woman that just refused to listen, and I just went, you know what, I'm not talking to you about this subject anymore. Mm-hmm. Now I thought, and in my head, I'm going, I've been to hell and back, and you don't get to be in my circle of trust. Mm-hmm. So you know, I went from chasing. Uh, anybody that would pay me attention, and I don't mean in a sexual way, and and not not even, mm. but that's in me. It was an attention thing in in a roundabout way, to being very selective who gets in. Yeah, I, I you know I I just don't. You know, Julie knows more about me than anybody in the world, and it'll always be like that. And I don't have many friends just because I just don't have many friends. <laughs> I'm just, the same. Yep, <laughs> I just that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the way I'm at. I I have a couple of people at work that you know we chat about stuff, but you know, um, and I'm close to my brother since my dad passed away. So you know, I I, I don't. I used to have a, like a huge hole in me going. I just crave friendship. Yeah, uh, and I'm just not like that anymore. My my healing has healed that. And and the wounds still do come up in in their own way, and it's just a process of, okay, what's what's this talking to me about? What what do I need to work on now? And so I'm always looking. I'm not saying I'm completely damaged. There's just shit that comes up that I haven't I've right. forgotten about or I haven't dealt with or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, but the major stuff is done, and <laughs> there's such a joy on the other side of it that you know your boundaries, you know, I, I know I'm worthy and um, of, of having a healthy relationship mm. and being treated with respect. I, I know that I'm enough just as I am, mm-hmm. you know, and growing up Catholic, it's like, no, you're inherently damaged. No, I'm fucking not. I'm, I'm, I'm perfect the way I fucking am. You know, I, I'm enough. Mm. And, and that's a very much a domestic violence, um, uh, motto is I'm enough and I, I actually bought a ring off a domestic violence awareness day or something and I wore that for two years that ring mm. and every time I didn't feel enough I would put it I had it on my thumb I'd, I'd twirl it this and is. go yes I'm enough had to go to I'm lovable Yeah, I need to love me for who I am you know, because we externalize all of this stuff, and in the same time, and in another way, we internalize stuff that we need to externalize. <laughs> we mess it up a lot, but you know, I mean, um, I would look for love externally when I needed to be there for me. Mm. I'm lovable. I, I mm. am just as I am. I had to work out what my values were. So yeah, you know. My strengths are why. Why is Kylie? It's and it's not even a why. I am worthy and I am enough, just as I am. Yes, 
But we, we also need to acknowledge the beauty within ourselves. What are my strengths? What do I love? Who am I? Because re-connecting with who you are is inherently one of the the corner, the other cornerstone of of he, of healing. You know, uh, you've got self-care uh, and you've got your therapy and and learning, reconnecting with who you are. I'm crazy creative. Yeah. You know, I, I'm just like insanely so. Um, and I love gardening. I love water. And I take absolute joy in all of that. You know, I've hit menopause, so I, you know, follow a couple of herbalists and I went, fuck it, I'll make my own hormone cream. So, and yeah. that's what I did. Like, wow. I just, like, you know, and other people go, oh, where can I buy it? And Kylie doesn't. Kylie goes, I'll make it myself. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's what I'm like, you know, and I take joy in being able to do that, you know, um, and... And so, you know, the things that I've just touched on are like the first four modules in my program that I have. And then you've got acknowledging what you need. What do I need from myself to feel a balanced human? And what do I need when I'm in a relationship, whether that's be with your co-workers um, or, or in an intimate relationship? What what do I need from, from a partner? Because, you know, if you're going in not really knowing what you want, or what you need from, you know, I need you to hear me. I need you to listen. I need you to be a deep listener. But in that, I had to learn to be a deep listener. Oof. If that's what you want, you got to be prepared to give it because it's it's a two way street. Yeah, yeah. You know, and if that's that's something that I've because I'm a talker. I've had <laughs> to learn to, you know, stop and learn to listen. <laughs> You know, and then you've got, I've touched on the emotions and through all of those things, your boundaries automatically come up, but it's a good thing to touch base on what's an absolute boundary for me. What's a deal breaker? What's, you know, and through all of that stuff. And that's the skills that you can use over and over and over again. (laughs) You know, maybe in 10 years time, I'll have a different boundary. You know, maybe I won't need to swim. When I was first at home, I would swim every day from September all the way through to May if I could. Mm. And I don't need to do that all the time now. Um, You know, I'm balanced enough that three times a week I'm okay with that. (laughs) But when you are starting out your self-care journey, you, you have to do it as much as you can. And a lot of people in my group go, what are you talking about when you're talking about self-care? Hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. Wow. They, they have no idea because they've lived a whole life of giving, being people-pleasing. So they, they actually don't know what self-care is. A lot of us, especially women, fall into this people-pleasing trap. I know I do it all the time, but I'm more aware of it now. So this self-care, some people think it's all about, okay, getting yourself a massage, going for a facial, going out for dinner. And I think that can be overwhelming for those of us who go, well, I can't afford that. Yeah. So, so what, how, what can we do? 
So what what I've said in my latest podcast episodes is there's self-care can come into, uh, oh, my mental health isn't crash hot. Uh, I need to go, you know, and we're in Australia, so under Medicare we get six. I think it might be 10. It used to be 10. It used to be 20 for your psychology appointment. Going to your GP and your doctor and saying, you know, I need those psychology things. That costs nothing. And maybe getting on some meds. Yeah. And that, that I believe that that's a form of self-care. Yeah. It's, show, it's saying... You're saying to you that you need help and that you can't do it on your own. Uh, I was on Prozac for about a year. Uh, um, that's that's not what, what it's called over here. It's called low band over here. Yeah. But that's the only antidepressant that actually works with me. I've tried Zoloft. I've tried uh, you know, quite a few of them, and that's what works for me. Uh, but I'm also a person that I don't want to be on it forever. Uh, so I know that I just gradually... When I'm feeling okay, um, and I know that that's not the case for a lot of people with severe mental health. Um, and sometimes you've got to be on meds for the rest of your life, and if you do, then be okay with that, be at peace with that. Yeah. Um, and if that helps you keep balance, that just means it helps you keep balance. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. Mm-hmm. It just means that's what you need as a human to function, and that's okay. So it can be actually giving yourself permission to lay in bed with your bed, your dog. That can be a form of self-care. Giving yourself fucking permission to go, you know what, I've got a day off work, I'm just going to lie in bed today. <laughs> a doona day. Um, I've heard it called. It can be taking your shoes off and standing on the grass. It can be getting the sprinkler and standing in the sprinkler. Mm-hmm. You know, turning the hose on. You know, like a little child. I think that's what I did when I first I heard someone say, "I uh, get connected with a activity you used to do as kids." And if that means you get a big blanket and make a fort in the lounge room, yeah, you know, and get crayons and then and start coloring in, then do it. Yeah. You know, just because you you're fifty four or seventy or twenty two or thirty six, that way you leave age out of it. So do that childlike thing again. That's the beautiful thing about children is they're so free with that creativity. Yeah. You know, and that's something that we as as adults need to get in contact with again in our self-care. So if colouring in is your thing, then, you know, do that. You know, there's plenty of free prints. You can go to your local library and you can print them out for 20 cents. You know, go and print five out. Go to the reject shop where your dollar store or whatever it is and buy, you know, 12 crayons or pencils or textures or markers for a very small minimal amount and, and colour in. You know, it doesn't have to be a, a, a you know, a million dollar Van Gogh painting. It's just you know. it, and colouring in has a meditative thing. Mm-hmm. You know, self-care can be getting on YouTube and listening to Louise Hay, which was my mentor, even though she's passed away years ago, my mentor in my healing. Ooh. And grabbing everything you possibly can for free. There's heaps of stuff out there if you look. You yeah. can join your local library and borrow Louise Hay. There's heaps of stuff on SoundCloud. I don't know what it's like now, but um, I and every time I, I got my welfare payment, I would buy an audio book. Wow, I would, yeah. I would just buy an audio book and, and suffer the consequences of not having that money 
because I think that my mindset was more important. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm and this is pre crisis of living crisis. This is <laughs> pre that, mm. and I'm highly aware that there's people out there that can't do that because they can't make ends meet at at the moment. Yeah, but you can go to the library and you can get books out. You can go to the library and order books from a different region. That there's lots of stuff, and librarians are like the bomb, man. They are so friendly. Yeah, if they don't know something, they'll find out. There's lots of, and it's a form of community, you know. Mm. And if you're gardening for argument's sake, like I do, and there's a local gardening group, you can actually, you know, tweet time that if you've got to catch a bus in the town and join that gardening group once a month or whatever it is and do your shopping on that day mm. like group a few things or your doctor's appointment or your psychology appointment and do it in a way that you can do a couple of things so you're making that bus trip in not just about the garden yeah yeah even though that self-care is important so is your doctors and so is your groceries and if you're <laughs> short of money that's a way that you can do that mm. And if you don't like people, then just go to a local park or get outside the house. So that yeah. give yourself permission to have a bath. Ew. Ew. And, and one thing I'd add is don't get caught up in thinking about what you should be doing. Self-care looks yeah. different for everybody. And like you say, if you want to have a day in bed, you do that. If that is healing to you and that's what you yeah. need. Yeah. So that's where the self-awareness comes in. Mm-hmm. Self-awareness is asking myself a question of what do I need mm-hmm. and answering that question. It's not the should. If you're saying should, mm. you need to reword the question uh, because that's an expectation you're having for yourself and you're not meeting your own needs. You need to ask the question of what do I need? Mm. So yes, and I'm going for a swim. And I just wasn't feeling it, and I just went, I'm going to go and get a massage. Mm. Yeah, so for me, getting a massage is a form of self-care. Yeah. Um, But I also have the funds to do that, Mm. and I'm fully aware of that. So you were talking to what if you have no money? Um, And, and, you know, catch a bus, you know, save up or to catch the bus to the ocean if you're far away from it, or what's your favourite activity? that you, you know you can do that doesn't cost much? What yeah. resonates with you? What makes you happy? Do you have art supplies that are in a cupboard somewhere? Um, get them out and get your paper out and start painting again. Maybe you've got those designer colouring in pencils. I, I know the set. I'm, I had a set of 172 colours. Wow. <laughs> and they, they're actually artists colouring in pencils. And I they are just amazing pencils. And that's what I'm thinking about. You, someone might have them in the back of their cupboard and, right. you know, fuck it, go and get them out. You, you don't need money because you've already got them. Uh, and go and print off at the library for 20 cents a pop some free colouring in stuff. Yeah. Well, you, you might also have some colouring in books that you've not used. Um, and just get them out and just, you know, uh, go and sit in a park and or sit outside and listen to the bird. Birds yeah. are yeah. Birds are the like the bomb. And and sitting in a park just watching the eucalyptus trees and if you sit there at about, you know, ten thirty in the day and you watch them, oh man, they're busy. 
those trees yeah. are just like so busy with birds and that in and of itself will cheer you up looking at the birds in the trees and how they interact with each other and if there's magpies there how they swoop everyone and and they're warbling and, ha- and there's calls yeah. and, and you might from that activity doing that every every day for like six weeks you might decide to save up for birds of australia book you know and right. i'll stick to australia right. um and um, start identifying all the birds in the area. Exactly. Start a passion for you that you never knew you had. Right. It really is a journey of self-discovery, isn't it? Yeah, 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 mm. yeah, big time. Yeah, and then and then you'll realise that you. Um, I had a guy at work. Um, I live. I work in a rural area. I had this guy go. Oh, there's a black cockatoo, and I went. Oh, are you kidding me? They. Oh, they're amazing. Mm. And I went out, and it was actually a crow, and I I had to have an internal <laughs> trouble. <laughs> and and you realise how many birds that you can identify that most people don't know how to identify birds and it was quite I, I you know God bless his soul you know that was cute Whew. what an episode it was really hard to choose where to cut this one off because as I mentioned at the beginning this is only part one of a two-part episode so tune in to next week to hear the other half of the conversation it just gets better and better I really hope you got some value from this in fact I know you did please check out the resources in the description and also Kylie's contact information because she's an awesome person And I just know that you will love talking to her or working with her. Catch us next week. If this episode resonated with you at all, could I please ask that you share it with a friend who you think could get value from it? And whilst you're doing that, make sure you follow and subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss another episode. And whilst you're following or subscribing, please leave us um, a rating, preferably five stars, and also a written review. Doing each of these things is going to help this podcast reach more people and impact more lives, which is at the end of the day is what we're here to do. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Remember, you matter, you're worth it, and you are so, so capable. Take care of yourself, and I'll see you next week.